Hello again, and welcome to SDGC for Thursday, May 14th. If you're not aware, SDGC... God funny? damn it. SDGC meets right here each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the latest gaming headlines with a wide variety of panel members and guests, as well as weekly pre-recorded content. If you've been along for the ride so far, welcome home. And if not, hey, feel free to stick around and maybe throw us a sub. Every single podcast is archived the next day on our YouTube channel for those who like to watch. And you can find us on all major podcast services for those who like to listen. John, now, is there something funny? No. Was something funny? Hey, John, can you turn just, your gain down on your mic a little bit? My gain down? You want me yes. to? Dude, I can't stop my gains, Derek. My, oh, you no are, stop you are peaking your mic so fucking bad right now. Okay, is that, is, not... is that better? Is that better? It's better if you're not right up chewing your mic, yes. Because you <laughs> okay. are, you're All right. a big cool. boy with big boy projection. And when you get right up on the mic and you also yell, it is very powerful. <laughs> Okay. All right. So That's so so, so now I'm down. I'm I'm back down. I'm back down here. So I want to open the I want to open the podcast tonight with two very important things. Uh, one, thank you so much to Derek for that awesome new intro video we have. Uh, Derek worked really hard on that, and also the the starting soon uh, uh, graphic and also as our well. new outro graphic. We've I, got an outro now. I learned After Effects, and I went from 48 hours uh, before. It took me 48 hours to uh, learn about it and churn all this stuff out, so uh, I might have missed a minor calling, but it's too late in my life to adjust its direction. I'm going to be broke forever. Well, it, so <laughs> after the podcast ends, stick around for 10 seconds. We have a super chill new outro, uh, and we have Julian to thank for the music. Uh, so Julian, uh, I know you'll listen to this. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we really appreciate it. Julian, Derek, again... Julian is Julian is amazing, and Derek, thank you again, man, for all your hard work, dude. Like seriously, thank you, Derek. <laughs> it distracts so, me from the world. <laughs> yeah, we all need that right now. Um, and uh, the other thing I wanted to address is uh, you may have seen uh, my new banner uh, on Twitter, uh, which is a cartoon. It's art art of me and Isabel. Uh, and I wanted to talk a, a little bit about, about that art just for a second, but more specifically, the person who drew it. I want to send. So um, her name is Jayla. Should I throw this on she the did, screen? Yeah, yeah. Go throw it on the screen for people who uh, for for people who have who haven't is, seen it. It is up. Uh, there we go. So um, so this uh, this was drawn by Jayla, age thirteen. Uh, she's in the eighth grade, and she is extremely talented. Her teacher reached out to me and asked if she could draw some art for me, and I said, I, "Absolutely, yes, I would love that." Um, but the really cool thing about this is that Jayla wants to be a, a an artist for game dev uh, when she's uh, you know you know when she's old enough to you know join the workforce. And I just wanted to say, Jayla, thank you so much for this incredible artwork. You are extremely talented. And if this is any indication, I mean, you're 13 years old and you're already doing stuff like this. She's this in is chat. Any, what's she's that? In she, chat, is, yeah. she, is she in chat? Hey, Jayla. All right. Yeah, there she is. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I thought she was going to be watching tonight. Uh, but yeah, no, Jayla, this is incredible work. And if this is any indication of, of what kind of talent you have, you are going to go very far uh, in this industry. Uh, I re we really look forward to seeing uh, uh, how you are going to contribute uh, in a few years. And I have also asked uh, uh, Jayla's teacher to communicate to her that uh, I'm hoping she would be so kind as to do us uh, some official artwork that we can actually use for our branding, our podcast branding. 
uh, I would I would really really love that. Uh, so uh, I'm going to send uh, Jayla's teachers and stuff to work with, and uh, and we'll see what you're able to cook up. Uh, but th thank you again, Jayla, for for that incredible artwork. I am so touched uh, that you drew that, and uh, I just really appreciate it. And uh, right now, um, everything's kind of messed up, but hold on to your dreams. Hold on to hold on to what you want to do, uh, because right now I think we all need that more than ever. Uh, you're going to go far. Thank you again. I'm going to curse with a teenager in the chat, so apologies in advance as if they haven't heard these words before. Um, but I just want to point out how fucking punk rock it is to be listening to, like, like a, not exactly a tiny garage, like, gaming podcast, but still, like, for for kids that age who are into gaming are probably like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Kind of Funny. Oh, I'll, you know, I'll watch you know, PewDiePie, I listen to X and X podcast and it's like, oh no, I don't, I only listen to podcasts you've never heard of. Like, well, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the, the yeah. that is genuinely punk over. rock right there. The Venn diagram of SEGC listeners and PewDiePie. Uh, yeah, I don't, not a lot of overlap there. It's just, just two circles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Somebody, some, somebody gifted Jayla stuff. I was going to suggest that I was, I was going to do that myself, but there, it's already taken care of. There we go. Um, all right. So, we got a lot to talk about. I can't about wait tonight. to interview her. She's gonna, she's gonna be an artist in the game. Give it time. It'll happen. Yeah, It'll absolutely. happen. Hell did yeah. you see? I mean, Red, did you see how good that That's is? Really like, good I mean, stuff for that. That is age. really That's, good. Like I was floored. Right there. No, dude, seriously, I was floored when I found out That's that really she good. was in the eighth grade. I was like, no, because my son is twelve, and buddy, I love you. His art is okay. <laughs> I love you, bud. But you know, like, he actually listens to this, so he's gonna hear that. But Dad, I drew you. Son, why do I look like mashed potatoes? I don't. <laughs> I love you, buddy. But uh, but no, no, this one, no, that it was just I, I was floor. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Yeah, and Reb, one day you're gonna get to interview her. I'm gonna. It's gonna John, happen. I swear to Christ, I cannot wait for you to get this new microphone so we can stop you peeking so goddamn hard oh i'm sorry okay look I, I'm, a, I'm a big i can't be contained by any microphone i'm a well, big person you can we need I'm the right one it's not me because whenever i do the games industry <laughs> podcast everybody else is like chill npr business voices and i'm like mario <laughs> it's like jeff last week with the ira glass oh my <laughs> intro. god incredible that was great i want him to do the intro whenever he's on just, yes just for that it was incredible yeah he, I, want to listen was to, very... I, want, I want him to get like one of those really nice um like mics and, and do like some asmr sdgc <laughs> intro reading jeff and i jeff and i should do like an sdgc read-off kind of like uh you know how you have those old spice commercials where terry cruz and the other guy like he's he's all loud and then mm. the other guy's very calm and quiet and they're like they've got a few yeah, yeah, Isaiah Mustafa. He was in It Chapter 2, by the way. Um, is he? We got topics, buddy. Yeah, yeah. we do got to keep moving. Okay, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway as, we got a lot to talk about Zach that. opens another bottle of wine. Yeah. Why do you Zach. think he's opening the wine? <laughs> <laughs> Zach, at some point tonight, I want you to tell me about the notes, okay? Uh, a healthy pour. It's a, no, ooh, it's like that a, is a healthy pour. Like a D-sharp? Um, wrong kind of note? I'm interested That's to the see wrong how, kind of the, how the evening goes because if you watch the show, I believe it was just last week. Uh, Zach last was on week. margaritas, and this week it's wine. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I'm just very much enjoying this. Oh nice yeah, no, it's I, I give another half an hour before things start to get zesty. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We've got samurai ghosts. We've got paper plumbers. 
Uh, we've got Unreal Engines. Uh, but first, why don't we start with what we've all been playing? And who wants to kick us off? I don't I'll care. I'll give who you one fucking guess. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, can I say fuck anymore? I will give you one fucking guess as to what I'm playing. Yeah. Halo 2. Uh, <laughs> Gears, Halo 2 tactics. Y'all, you all know. I am still playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> I have not stopped. I'm still playing it every single day. Um, I will. I, I, I'm playing a few other things too. Um, I. What did I play last weekend? Oh, I've been playing a little bit. Very, very slowly, I've been working my way through Hellblade Send You a Sacrifice, which is an absolutely incredible game. It is also so much. Yeah. It is it's a lot. So, it's very good. So much. In a very good way. I, I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. Like, it is absolutely incredible. It's like intentionally um, very as, overwhelming. Yeah, it's very overwhelming. And I, I think, especially, I, I am the kind of person who does not typically play games that are even sort of gently dark or like whatever. Um, and so, so playing a game that is. is like, I can't do it, like, after work in the evening when I am stressed out and tired. I've been able to play it for, like, an hour or two on, like, Saturdays when the sunshine is out or whatever. And just to kind of, like, sink into it for a bit and then come out and reflect on it. So, I, I so far, I haven't even gotten very far. Like, I've done the intro and I did the, the fire giant area. And I'm about to go to the illusion side of the, those two doors at the beginning. So, um, but it's an absolutely incredible game. Um, really, really well made. Um, and what I, are you I, playing I, it on, Reb? Uh, PC. PC. Are you playing with head, you playing with headphones? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, because this, like, I was gonna say, this is a game that practically oh, yeah. demands headphones. Yeah, yeah, it's so well done. Um, I still have Assassin's Creed Odyssey on hold. Um, I know I said I was gonna start playing that last week, I think. Um, but I am waiting on my controller to arrive that I've ordered. Um, and I made the mistake of ordering it from Games GameStop. So, um, who knows when that'll show up? Um, hopefully this coming week. Um, but yeah, I'm playing Animal Crossing, and I had the absolute delight to go to uh, Rami Isbell's uh, uh, Suhoor. Um, he's been doing these really wonderful things that. where, um, so he's he's uh, observing Ramadan, um, and I, I'm going to try to get this right because his time zones are different, so it's it's backwards. Um, he's, he's been doing the, the meal that you eat very early in the day before you do the all day fast. Um, and then the meal that you eat when you break the fast in the evening. And he, what he's been doing is normally Ramadan is a very social um, experience and he wants to, you know, ex have, have this like social experience with other people and this kind of celebration with other people. Um, but he can't have that cause we're all social distancing. So he's been inviting um, people through like, he has this like sign up sheet. Um, he's been inviting people to his animal crossing island to just sort of sit with him for an hour and talk and just you know be around <laughs> while he's you know eating these meals and so i went to one of them and it was it was just really lovely and laid back and we hung out on his island and he had some some decor up um and we all brought fruit to share and i brought some of my hybrid flowers and planted them and we ran around his island and messed around with the stuff in his house, and it was just—it was really cool. There were there were five of us total there um, on my visit. I know he was getting more people there towards the beginning because there's there's some screenshots of like eight people at a time um, doing that, but it was really really relaxing and nice, and I'm glad that I did it. I love I love all the different kinds of social events that that game is opening up opportunities to do um, and have those experiences with people, and yeah, I'm I'm glad it exists. I mean, look at what Gary was doing with his with his talk show. I mean, like, there is there is so much potential in Animal Crossing to get incredibly creative, and it's just it's amazing watching people do that. There is, yeah. I, I animal talking is really really cool. Uh, Reb, did you have anything else you wanted to mention before we move on? Uh, I don't think so. I've been pretty pretty chill lately. Okay, uh, I'll go next if if nobody minds. Um, so oh, sorry, I... next next week oh. on Thursday, I will have the opportunity 
I will act, I will be off of an embargo and I will be able to talk about my gameplay experience with an upcoming title. So I'll have some. Hey, let's do anniversary. Okay, cool. Man, you. <laughs> <wish>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. Continue, please. No, 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 no. It's fine. Uh, so I, I've been juggling a lot. I I've got a Vita that I uh, that I modded and I picked up a Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions, which uh, released for it's a basically it's a port of the original PlayStation game with a much better translation. Uh, but it was also plagued by massive slowdown that Square Enix actually put in there on purpose. Uh, I, I don't know why they did that, but that's a part of the game. So there is a there is a patch out there that actually gets rid of the slowdown. Uh, so I, I downloaded that. I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, which is one of my favorite games of all time. I've been playing a little Advance Wars 2 on my Game Boy Advance because at this point I have resigned myself to the fact that the Analog Pocket is not coming this year. And uh, so I've got all these Game Boy Advance games that I've been waiting to replay on the pocket, but I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to play them all on my modded Game Boy Advance. So I'm playing Advance Wars 2. Um, uh, of course, that's a that's a fucking classic GBA game. I, I absolutely love Advance Wars. Uh, I downloaded Color Splash today to replay that, because I don't care what anybody says. Co- Color Splash is a good Paper Mario game. Fucking thank you. Fucking like, thank you. There has not been a bad I, I, Paper Mario game. I like, I like I, Color Splash fine. Color Splash is great. Like I don't, it wasn't, like, I don't. Amazing! Get... It didn't like blow my mind in any way. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, this is a this is a genre defining game or anything. But yeah, it was like it was what like twenty hours of Mario. Yeah, I mean, around. yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, you can easily <laughs> put forty hours into that game. Okay, I'm, I'm, like, it's a... been a while. I might be like underplaying how many hours. I mean, it's a big game. It's a it's big game. Col- I, yeah, but I mean, like, I never understood the hate for Color Splash. It's a good game. Um, That's lovely. What else? Have I, uh, oh, and I've been playing. I've been playing Final Fantasy Tactics Type Zero on the PSP, which never actually came to the United States. Of course, I'm playing it on my on my, on my modded Vita with an English translation patch. And the game on PS4 when it came out, uh, like it was it was not a good port. Uh, they added a blur effect to oh. uh, switching the camera around. You know what I'm talking about, Derek? Yeah. You, like it, it I had is, to put the game down after 30 minutes. Like it made me want to vomit. Like like anime like, speed I'm, lines blurring every time you yeah. move the camera three degrees. I, yeah. I am somebody that is usually very pro motion blur. It is so bad in that. I believe they have patched it a couple times to kind of tone down the shutter speed because it was absolutely ridiculous. No, like I, I literally, like I literally, oh, like I had to stop playing. I started getting like my stomach started churning. But I've been playing it on PSP, and not only is like visually, it's just a much better fit for a handheld system. Uh, the the translation, the English translation, tra- you know, the voices are still obviously in Japanese, but everything, all the text is in English. Uh, the music's better, and I'm really enjoying it. So uh, I've been going back, other than playing a lot of Smash Brothers, I've been playing a lot of, going back and playing a lot of older games before Xenoblade Chronicles comes out. That's what I've been doing. May I go real quick so that I can then go and fetch bourbon before we get to the heavy topics? No, yes, oh, you may. Yeah, you can go right now. Yes, you, yeah. you may. You may. I, you may. And also, really quick, um, I have been playing uh, Adobe After Effects <laughs> for the past <laughs> little bit. Um, you saw Planet too. Did you catch their stream? Yeah, yeah. Looks good. But, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play stuff this week. Um, I've played some Final Fantasy VII remake uh which i'm enjoying i'm a little later than everybody else i recognize um but i'm 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 pretty far into it by now i I think i'm in the last um like open point with side quests before you get into the final linear chunk of the game 
Um, Did Chapter 9 make you ascend, Derek? Chapter 9 was was fucking incredible, Uh, which is not to say that there is zero problematic elements about that section still, but, like, broadly speaking, incredible. Um, It was unfair. Um, I will say that uh, uncomfortable things happened with a masseuse uh, while my girlfriend was in the room. (laughs) And uh, she was very, very amused by how obviously uncomfortable I was with what was happening. Um, and then, um, but, but other than that, uh, I've, I've been replaying Starcraft two's campaign. Um, so I wanted a good RTS campaign. I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting age of empires four, uh, which we have no idea how far out that is, I think at this point. So, um, Starcraft two has the best campaign in any RTS game. It's just a good, uh, piece of comfort food tomorrow. Uh, on stream, I am starting a Plague Tale Innocence, uh, which everyone tells me I desperately oh, needed to play. You've so, never played that, no. So it's gonna oh, be. Oh, I'm gonna tune good. in for that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'm really excited. So that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be happening tomorrow. Um, that is my my reward to myself to start something new and fresh and fun uh, because I put in all this time in uh, creative work stuff. Uh, but Lord that's Bernard, thank you for gifting so many subs. Yeah, that's really yeah. Nice. what a serious what a wow. king. That's that's all I've been doing. Most of my gameplay time has been After Effects. <laughs> Respect. All right, Justin. Uh, well, Derek, what are you ju- playing? Yeah, Justin, let's go. Uh, so I've been okay. continuing my Uncharted series replay. Um, last week I had just started it and was playing, um, and I was probably about halfway through Drake's Fortune. Um, since then, I have finished Drake's Fortune, I have finished Uncharted 2, and I'm a little less than halfway through Uncharted 3 right now. Um, and, like, playing 1 and 2 back-to-back in 2020 is dude shocking. It, like, dude, especially Uncharted, Uncharted 1. 1 feels, Uncharted 1 feels just straight up old now. Not even just Bad. dated. Like, it feels yeah. like an old game. Uncharted 2 feels like a modern release. Like... Like, I don't, like, I think, you know, as blown away as it was when it released, like, I don't think I fully appreciated just how much of an improvement it was over the first game, because, like, there's still stuff done perfectly well in that game that wouldn't be out of place in, like, a modern AAA release. Um, That said, I still do find the last, like, section of it where it's just combat encounter after combat encounter and after combat encounter a little bit uh tedious but overall that game's still a classic oh dude dude when you when you fight lazarevich i maintain to this day is one of the worst boss fights in gaming history it's bad well it's also even in the remaster collection it's still bugged because the normal difficulty is actually the hardest version of the fight and the higher difficulties are actually lower (laughs) um because I remember when I played it through on a higher difficulty and I got through them really easily, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, that bug's still in, in the remaster collection, which is very funny. But um, And then last night I started Uncharted 3, or maybe it was the night before. I started Uncharted 3 just to, um, you know, I was planning on just to play a little bit of it and then just blew through like the first like five and a half, six chapters or something. Um, I really love the intro to that game. I like th- I like three a lot. I know it's one of the more divisive entries in the series. I love it. It's I'm, my favorite. I, I'm a re- I'm a really really big fan of that one. So um, I mentioned before, like the Uncharted series is like very much gaming comfort food for me. 
Um, they put a big smile on my face. Like I've been a fan of Pulp Adventure stuff since I was a little kid. Um, you know, they've they're what kind of made me a big fan of Naughty Dog and their work. So it's been really really fun to go play play them through. So I'm basically about the halfway point because I think I'm just gonna stick with it and go instead of just doing the the you know Nathan Drake collection, go through four and Lost Legacy while I'm in this while I'm in this mood. So I'm just gonna keep that going. Speaking oh. of uh, speaking of moods, Zach, Derek. what's your mood today? What's my mood today? Yeah, what's your video? Well, we, is this how we ask? Okay, listen, uh, we have actual topics, so I will I will let you guys pick. I have been playing three games, and I will briefly talk about two of the three. Your options, Halo 2 Anniversary, Apex Legends, or Gears of War 5. Each of them have new things for me to talk about. So we got to talk about be... Halo 2 Anniversary. Okay, I think. So also, I, I will... sorry, I was trying to play it like we were all going to just deliberately ignore Derek's hat, but John's face was so disappointed. Derek, the hat's great. <laughs> the hat is good. The hat is good. hat is all very right. good. All right, uh, so Halo 2 Anniversary just hit PC. Uh, it looks like it's having some technical difficulties, which um, is not surprising, although disappointing, uh, considering that game is held together. <laughs> considering the Master Chief Connection is like... I'm not surprised like... with you, but I'm just disappointed. Um, I mean, Halo or the Master Chief Collection is basically held together by like shoestring and duct tape from like like I think it had like several different studios to help them put that game together, and it's just a mishmash of code that like barely functioned on Xbox One uh, after a bunch of patches. So it's shocking that a whole bunch of Xbox 360 ports are even working on PC. Uh, but it hit it hit PC and uh, big team battle mixed with like the remixed HD maps are very very good. Uh, the Blood Gulch remake is just supremely good uh, i really like it uh i'm just very happy to see halo come to pc uh, i'm i'm just um an advocate for having games be able to be played on platforms going forward uh and obviously like that means xbox backwards compatibility is important to me but also seeing these things come to pc is just great um a lot of people uh play these games growing up and it's awesome that more people have an opportunity to play them on different platforms and it's been good um but i also want to talk about apex legends i think i've made that decision uh the new season just hit and it's very good they just added a new character loba who has some very very cool abilities uh some iffy uh choices around the way they uh designed her aesthetic and like she's like the first character to me that feels very sexualized in apex and that's kind of frustrating to see uh considering um like it's yeah it, it is uh their the first latino latina character in the game and like they over sexualize it which is like pretty frustrating uh but her her character abilities are very good uh which is cool and adds a and like she's almost feels like an essential character in a squad in the same way that uh lifeline as a healer was an essential character um but they've also just remixed the first map from the game and, and are starting to bring in some of what you would see from like Fortnite in terms of uh level changes but they've also brought in narrative quests this season which means every time you play a match once a day there will be uh you can collect like a treasure pack in the game and after you collect a certain number of treasure packs you unlock new story that's like basically like uh, a text quest that you get to like unpack these things that are happening in the season and unlock little quest rewards um but it's just cool to see another br game kind of take on ways you can do narrative storytelling uh that game continues to be very fun uh, and I continue to be very bad at it, and I wish Titanfall <laughs> 3 was a game that was coming, because I used to be good at Titanfall. Um, Zach, let me ask you this. Can you still, sure. are, are, can you do solo, uh, can you play solo in uh, Apex yet, or are you still bound to three-person teams? So, no, so they're, they're adding different stuff. They're, they're basically, 
like trios is like the, the core of what apex is and everything is balanced around that uh but just last night i played uh duos with maddie uh uh and it's like they, they have an official duos mode they have solos on occasion and they do other like little events that kind of tweak that um so they're, they're kind of playing with that formula but like really the way character abilities are built to play together right like one of the characters is all about being able to revive people quickly and efficiently and and help them uh like do or solos just really wouldn't work uh for a character character driven uh game um I think that I'm gonna break my own rule and immediately just really quickly talk about Gears of War Five. Uh, for I was just gonna add that I, that I want to play Apex with you sometime, and also yes. it was Respawn's tenth anniversary today. So yeah, which is, for them. Which, yes, which means three three games and three bangers. That's yeah. that's their yeah. Traffic. They also Wait, four didn't. Games. Four yeah, games. Star Wars. Four games. Yeah, four games. Star Wars. Yeah. Did Star Wars. So three and a half bangers. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> spicy. Um, uh, I just I want crossplay for Apex yeah, so bad. That, yeah. I still think I still think it is my favorite BR game cool. uh from what I've played, but none of my friends play on PS4. So I I have nobody to play play it with. Like I've mostly I've put the most time into Call of Duty Warzone explicitly because it has crossplay and I can play with my friends on other platforms. So I really hope Apex gets crossplay soon cuz I want to play it more. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild that EA, EA and both both EA and Ubisoft are like AAA studios that that I think are doing really interesting things in the PvP space, and they're also like studios who have said or publishers who have said we're interested in crossplay, and like two years later have nothing to show for it. So that's pretty frustrating. I think I think Siege is finally getting it this hopefully. fall. Hopefully. I think they've at least put out a timetable for that, but none of EA's studios I think have said anything about it. Can I? All right, I'm gonna quickly touch on Gears Five. No one cares, but I just need to get it out. All right, get it out. Yeah. So, so since since like December, uh, the coalition has actually seen some departures in terms of its uh, management. Uh, Rod Ferguson, who is like the longtime helm of Gears One, Two, Three, Ultimate Edition Four and Five, has left to go to Blizzard. He's previously left Microsoft in the past. He he's the one who helped ship Bioshock Infinite. He is known as the shipper. He is someone who's really good at taking broken projects or par or projects that are <laughs> struggling and putting them together into cohesive packages he's good at that um but also um because he's been so tied to gears of war i think it's possible that he is somebody in the executive role who has held the series back from really pushing its boundaries and so him departing was both an alarm because holy shit somebody who's like a major like very 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 successful great track record uh employee for microsoft's management has left um, but also, the studio is finally doing some pretty cool things to try to make Gears 5 better. Um, one of the things they tried with Gears 5 at launch was to introduce hero classes, which would allow certain characters to have certain abilities in various modes, whether that's Horde or Escape or whatever. And ultimately, what that did was made it so there's far fewer characters than in the past. In the past, characters were just a skin, uh, which is kind of what I preferred. Uh, but because every character had an ability, they ended up shipping with like something like a third as many characters as in the past. And this week, they finally said, hey, we're going to drop that. We're going to start releasing characters faster, and we're going to start releasing maps faster, and we're going to come back to adding abilities to characters later on, but they're no longer going to slow down our content drop, <coughs> which is um, kind of a big deal for a AAA game that feels like Microsoft's... I think Gears 5 is a game I love, and also a game that, like, Microsoft, I feel like, has kind of not been able to deliver on. It feels like their first big struggle in games as a service. Like, like yeah, CFD's had a rough launch, but I think Rare quickly figured out what they needed to do in that space, and it just feels like Gears is 
struggled, but maybe showing promise of turning around. So I don't know. I'm going to keep playing that that game um, and pretend that I'm not like one of the dozens who are still interested in Gears 5. Um, are, are, are there yeah. not many like are there not many people playing the multiplayer? Oh, no, it's it's pretty popular. No, it's still pretty popular. Um, OK, I was, I was about to say, man, those games usually have no. a long shelf life. Yeah, they do well. They're very like Gears of War has always been a niche series that has a very dedicated fan base. Uh, and so what you'll find is like the game has it has crossplay now, which is great. But what's really popular is like the Gears esports will do a thing where like, hey, if you watch this weekend, you're gonna get some weapon skins, and then everyone in multiplayer has those skins because everyone is participating and like watching their esports events. So it's a suit. It's it's very niche, but they have a very dedicated, consistent player base. Um, and so that's a dangerous thing for a studio to have because if you alienate them, you have alienated your small niche base. Yep. Um, so it, it's been interesting to kind of watch them pivot. And I actually am seeing more flexibility from them now after we've seen an executive depart, which um, is interesting. And I'm both excited and deeply worried for the coalition going into next gen without an official replacement for, for Rod Ferguson. Um, but it's cool. Um yeah, sounds... I think that's it. I'm done talking about Gears that, 4 and that's... Apex and Halo. I mean, Zach, is there anything else you want to <laughs> about, about Gears 5 you just need to get off your chest? Like, is there anything you've got um, to... No, any lingering they, emotions oh, there? They, they did They did just bring back the you the unlockable uh, Gears of War 2 signature curb stomp, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. I don't need to say <laughs> more, but I am excited. Stomp. I am excited. Uh, it, it is very crunchy. And when I locked it, my wife walked in the room and she said, that's gross, and walked out. <laughs> and of our interaction around Gears of War today. Zach. Uh, no, that's kind of like, that's kinda like no when my wife fan. walked in during, it's kind of like when my wife walked in during the Final Fantasy VII massage scene. Good stuff. Okay, so but a lot of, we got a lot to talk about tonight. I, I thought we might start, you, you guys tell me if you disagree, but I thought we might start with Paper Mario because I think it's the smallest topic we have, um, uh, unless we want to talk about Unreal Engine first. I think let's get the big topic out of the way and then close out with, I, I, I want to talk Engine about first? Paper Mario and I do want to talk about Ghost of Tsushima, but I don't know how much they're just talking about either of those, but we could also just stretch them out if we needed to. So let's let's talk about the meat. Let's talk. let's talk about yeah let's yeah let's do the meat we'll, and we'll hit the we'll, we'll hit the potatoes later. Uh, I'm just Justin, a simple wanna... farmer, but I do believe that we ought to <laughs> perhaps talk about this this here update to the Unreal Engine system. Justin, do you want to uh, kick off our Unreal Engine system discussion? Okay, sure. Yeah, I actually was reading up on this, so like, if anybody needs like layman discussions of some of the tech that they were showing, I think I'm kind of prepared to do that because it's really cool stuff um from a production side of things um so uh yesterday um epic revealed the um unreal engine 5 which came as a big surprise to a lot of people because i think people were really expecting unreal engine 4 to kind of hang around for a while especially since like the big um 4.25 update just came out for unreal engine uh last last week or the week before um so it was kind of a big surprise and on top of that the other surprise was that it was running on playstation 5 which it was the first footage that we have seen running on ps5 hardware yeah, um, apparently, it, 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 
it wasn't just like a video either. Like you could, it's something that you could pick no, up a controller was, and actually manipulate. Yeah, it was well, real was, time. That was the thing that I thought was very cool about that specific demo is because usually Epic's tech demos are really cool, like cutscenes. Um, they're pre-rendered cinematic sequences, but this was um, really neat because it was actually basically a small level in a game. Uh, they played through it, they moved the character through the environment, and they would pause it at times and, you know, play around with... It essentially looked like a photo mode menu. I actually but it allowed saw, them to kind of... I saw a tweet from somebody, might have been Matt Kim at IGN, um, saying that uh, that demo would have been playable at GDC. Yeah, I saw it that was too. Originally, it was originally supposed to be part of a GDC presentation that was going to be playable on the show, uh, like on that show floor. Yeah. Um, but it was really neat. So there was kind of two main pieces of technology that they were showing off in this demo. Um, and then a couple other really small ones that we only got quick glimpses of. Uh, the first one is the new Lumen technology, uh, which is a technique for global illumination. And global illumination is when it's basically the bounces that light does after it turns on. So there's one point where they actually turn off Lumen entirely, and you just see the light coming in from... Yeah. I thought... They're, 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 in, a ca they're in a cave, and it's just yeah. the sun above, and they turn off Lumen, and everything goes pitch black except for the light coming in. It was in really the cool. The, the sort of global illumination but that the they cool talk about with Lumen is, is like one step behind ray tracing. Like, it's not true ray tracing, but it's basically the closest we've ever come it will to also that. Play, it will also play nicely with ray tracing if a developer yes. chooses to, to implement yes. it. Yes, and they have said that. And also, the other, th the kind of the big advantage it actually has over ray tracing is it can calculate way more bounces. It's near infinite bounces where even on, like, really high-end Ray Trace GI that we have in games now, it's only, like, f between three and eight bounces. So, um, so it's a big deal. Like, there was only two actual light sources in this entire demo. It was the sun and the little orb that the, char the main character has. Um, this is kind of this a big deal because um, it makes it so that developers no longer have to place like fake lights or hide them within the scenery. Light is um, an actual that real can be bitch a long... for developers. Yeah. Yeah. That, like that's a huge deal, especially when they're doing baked lighting and baking has been the, the way that a lot of developers do global illumination. Um, and it can take hours. Um, if you move like a light a little bit, it can take hours to bake in global illumination. You have to design all the art and stuff around it. This, if they just want to move a light or see how it will affect a scene, they can do it in seconds. Am, it's really am, cool. am I It looks great, and it's really great for developers. Am I the only person who now wants developers and uh, to describe the power of these new consoles in terms of bounces? No, I just that's just something I want now. I'm like, still particularly I, I want, fond like, of GameCubes, to be honest with you. But like, how many bounces can one teraflop hold? That's that's the question that I have. So, so just how many in... triangles are in a teraflop? There's a lot oh, of well, triangles. Tri how many oh, ounces are some triangles yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> how many how many ounces are? What do you know about triangles? What do you know about triangles? So I I think of a really quick genuinely good recap point here is that this is in development engine tech uh which will be hitting developers uh, around this time next year maybe a little bit earlier 
and then it will be available uh, more widely by the end of 2021, which essentially means we will not be seeing games utilizing Unreal Engine 5 until 2022 or later. Uh, thankfully, Epic has been uh, building uh, uh, stuff into Unreal Engine 4.25, which will allow them to seamlessly upgrade to Unreal Engine 5 specs, which is really good for people who don't know uh, when Epic transitioned from Unreal Engine 3 to Unreal Engine 4, there was a, a tremendous amount of compatibility issues yeah. that were a huge problem for developers. Uh, one thing, Justin, that I think we didn't touch on is there is potentially room here for these uh, improvements in Unreal Engine 5 to actually reduce workloads on developers, potentially, uh, which yes. would potentially, you know, again, reduce crunch or, you know management might say well you're not doing this as much so why don't you do this yeah. and, and why don't you know, yeah we can now we this this just frees you up for target. other projects crunch is a moving yeah. target but like undeniably that that demo is is very impressive so one one thing i will notice uh or, or one thing i did notice about that demo and and you, i'm free to disagree with me but while everything from the lighting to the texture work to the character animations uh was massively impressive especially when i learned that everything was running in real time and this is something you can actually play. I still thought the character model was nothing that I haven't seen in on Xbox One or PS4. Like it, it was decidedly current gen. There's to me. other tech demos for that. Yeah, John. The, the most they have exciting... other Unreal tech demos that look yeah, bonkers the, the... for the characters. This one was focused on Lumen and the Nanite system. Yeah, the most exciting thing about this tech demo is is less about what it looked like on screen, although like the environment did look gorgeous compared to most of what we expect out of uh, games nowadays. Although again, like Epic had the time to do that and knows their own engine better than anyone else. And people are probably not going to get those kind of results out the gate, but it's about the ease that it places on developers, right? A ton of time is spent on lighting in games. So if you have in-engine uh, global illumination, um, that potentially streamlines things quite a bit in that regard, um, and and a lot of times when when Unreal Engine adopts and pushes out something like that, you see other engines become quick to incorporate it because you have to to remain competitive. You have to be worth getting over Unreal Engine in, in some way. Um, that and then the uh, the Nanite system, uh, which Justin hadn't had a chance to get to yet, um, which is another thing that that really. Basically, what it is is you can put in. They were saying cinematic quality assets. In other words, um, models and textures that are the kind of quality they use when rendering scenes for Hollywood films. Far, far above what mm -hmm. we use for games. Um, I think they said up to eight K, right? Yeah, on the textures. Yeah. The, yeah, that's what they were using. The, for the little rocks. Scan. The little rocks in this demo were a million polygon polygons with eight K textures yeah. on them. Yeah. Just, just. That's a hedonistic amount of detail for that asset. Yes. <laughs> but but what what the engine is apparently doing and and they they did not like 100% explain the the science behind how the engine is capable of doing this, which is the thing that always makes me skeptical, but it's apparently taking these incredibly high quality assets and basically going, "Okay, well all of this is wasted because if you have 80 triangles going into one pixel of space, then you don't need to worry about those 80 triangles. Um, I'm not sure how the engine is actually deciding how to render that down. 
into one pixel space and actually save time. But that demo was running on PlayStation 5 hardware, we're told. I'm not the type to say that Unreal or that Epic was lying about something like that. Um, you know, but... I, yeah, no, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I, I don't like, believe that they're lying. I don't, but, no, I don't think they were lying at all. But I would all, like but to know is... the science, the actual science behind the fucking magic. So I, I think it's, I think it's I, important. I assume to stuff like that will come out like around right. SIGGRAPH or yeah. something when they do like the big presentations. Well, I want to, I, 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 I want to kick something over to Reb real quick, and because uh, I, I want to make sure she doesn't get locked out of the conversation. Um, but uh, something that I've been thinking about uh, is that we probably, and I think Zach touched on this a little earlier, is that games aren't going to look like this the first year and a half of these systems uh, because everything is going to have to play on PS4 and Xbox One as well. Um, and phones. And phones, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's going to take a while for it's going to take a while for this technology to actually come into its own, and it's not something that is going to happen right out the gate. And of course, I don't blame them for 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 glossing over that, but but th that's something that needs to be said. And uh, Reb, I wanted to see what you thought about like how long do you think it? How long? How long do you think we will see games that come out for these new consoles that have to play? on current gen systems because when ps4 and xbox one launched it was about a year and i have a feeling it's going to be longer this time yeah i think you might be right on that i think it might be a little bit longer um i mean there might be several reasons for that i think i think a whole bunch of stuff whether we know about it or not is just going to get like everybody's timeline is going to shift like at least a couple months if not longer just because of all this covid stuff that's a good um, point so that so that on its face is just going to delay things to begin with and then, yeah, I think, I think especially, so it, it seems like Microsoft is, is going, at least with their first party stuff and their game studios games, it seems like what they've said is that everything is going to be compatible with Xbox One. Am I right about that? They've said that? Right. Until, until, uh, until next fall. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> oh, okay. at least until 2021. Okay, I mean, yeah, I would expect it to go on for a little bit longer than that with some games, yeah. but yeah, I, like, at, le at least for that long, and then, um, I don't know, the, the Sony situation is interesting because the PS4, wow, they have sold a lot of units of that. Um, Quite a bit. Uh, what, what, what was it? Uh, <laughs> their financials this week, what was the number? It was like 110 million or something like Just, just there's so many million. PS4s, and it it is going to take, regardless of, even if the PS5 comes out and it just has all these great features and it looks beautiful and it's just, just a rousing success, it takes a long time to sell 110 units of any, or 110 million units of anything. Um, and so getting that install base caught up is, is going to take some time. So I think that, you know, regardless of what they would like, I mean, eventually I'm sure they will be, even at launch, they might be doing exclusives. I have no idea what Sony's plan is. Um, but I think for, for a long time, at least for third-party studios, it's going to make an awful lot more sense to yep. do things on both PS4 and PS5 just because there are so many people that have a PS4. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. I don't and think Microsoft has quite that same problem, um, but I think that they are going to try to urge you know, at least their their internal studios to keep things compatible for the Xbox One for as long as possible. So, um, yeah. And, and speaking yeah. of which, Reb, I want to throw it back to you. Uh, it, along with this this beautiful presentation, Epic also announced some tweaks. Thank some you. Tweaks. You got what I was waiting for. Yeah. They, they also announced some tweaks to their business plan. Um, and I also wondered if you'd be willing to juxtapose those um, with that of Steam's and how they're treating opposite ends of the market. Do you want to – do you know what I'm uh, – are you – yeah, you so, um, so the, there were, I, the two big announcements that I, I was very attached to in all of this is one, um, Epic had announced with this that starting 
yesterday um, and retroactive to the beginning of the year. Um, they are, so previously the way that you got Unre got to use Unreal Engine if you were a developer is it was free, you got it. Um, then if you made a game with it, uh, all royalties, you had to pay 5% of your, 5% royalties to Epic on all the profit you made above, or all the revenue you made, above, like 50, I think it was 50,000 dollars or more you had to pay five percent royalties on that revenue um so now they have they've upped that to waive all ro royalties now you only have to pay it um what was it it was a a million a, a million okay i was yeah. I, I opened my mouth to say a million and then i was like that's a lot of money is that right no that is right yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it is right. Yeah. So, so Unreal Royalty is, free up to a million bucks. So Unreal Engine is now dollars. essentially free for indie developers, like people yep. who are not going to make that much money um, or or might might make that money if they're lucky. Um, like, like it's, just, it's just free now. And so that just opens just absurd possibilities um, for independent developers. And I, I have not paid uh, very close attention to what Unity is doing. But if I remember right, Unity uses a slightly different business model than they do. And Unity raised its prices, I think, earlier this year, too. Um, and so Unity is very quickly becoming a less appealing option. And I'm very, very curious as to what Uni Unity's answer to that is going to be. But um, this is this is absolutely opened up. Just, just I've seen a lot of independent developers on my Twitter feed talking about how just how great that one move on its own is. Uh, but then the other thing that Epic did is they, we, we already knew that this was coming, um, but it actually officially happened. Um, they have launched um, Epic Online, their Epic Online services uh, for developers for free. Um, it's basically just this SDK um, that you can, you know, sort of apply to whatever game it makes sense to apply it to. And you basically get like this integration that lets you use Epic's, you know, technology and services to, um, imp you get like a friend, you can put friends lists in your game. You can put Epic accounts. Uh, you can do, it seems like you can do like cross-platform play with it. Um, if, yep, you're, if, yep, your cross game is, if your game is capable of doing that, you can do cross-platform play. Mm -hmm. uh, you can do, oh geez, like, uh, I think in-game chat was in there. Like, yeah. I, it's sorry, a lot. I, I it's a lot I didn't of pull stuff. the list up in front of me, but it's basically just this suite of services um, that Epic has been using in games like Fortnite um, that developers can just put in their games now for free through Epic. Like, the, you can just do it. Um, and it, that too is just absolutely incredible because things like cross-platform and things like friend, friends list and things, those, those take time and work to implement and they are difficult to get right and you have to have your service correct. Now, granted, it ties them to Epic accounts, uh, which, which is, you know, what, what Epic wants. They want, um, they want developers to be sort of buying into this Epic system and they also want more users in the Epic system because if they have an Epic account, then, oh, they could just come into Fortnite and spend money. Um, that's, that's the business model. That's what they get out of it is they get more people playing Fortnite effectively. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's very interesting. They're doing all of these things uh, specifically for developers and specifically to sort of put together this kind of like open ecosystem. Um, and yeah, Zach, you mentioned Steam and I think, I think it's interesting because Epic has kind of this this situation where they are not, we, we talk about them in, in competition with Steam a lot, but they aren't just a storefront, right? Like they are also yeah. making a game engine and they are also develop. I mean, Valve, I guess. They're much games, more of a but... platform than Valve is at this point. I mean, obviously Steam is, Steam is a, a storefront, but like I consider what, when we talk about, you know, Epic having a friendsless implementation and building all these systems that are like very developer facing. 
I think of them as much more of a platform than like what you think of Steam, but maybe that's you know the wrong label. No, I don't think. I mean, I don't think it's wrong. I think I think the thing to think about with Epic that's interesting is they they have their hands in so many pots now, right? Like right. they have they have a storefront to sell you games. They have a development team that is making games, and in fact, is making the biggest game in the world currently. That game also has doubled as a social network for many people. They are also making an engine in which people can make games for all these different platforms. They have these services that let people do cross-platform play and do. Um, you know, friends list and all these things and all these different games. They have all these these little things. They are, they have mobile. They have, their games on mobile. They're public. They just started a publishing wing. They just started a crazy, publishing with they're, with crazy good deals for the developers that they sign as well. They're buying up <laughs> store exclusives. Um, they're they're doing all these things, and it's very and all of these things very clearly have connections with one another, right? Like they all very clearly benefit one another and draw people into this sort of. I, I don't know, like metaverse of Epic Games things. Um, and so it's, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how, what, what Epic does in the coming years. I, I admit that it worries me a little bit, kind of in the same way that Amazon worries me. Yeah. Or like, yeah. like just in the sense that Amazon already has its hands in so many technological pots that it's now you know bad and jeff bezos has is going to be a trillionaire and nobody nobody should ever be a trillionaire really there's just no reason to be um i mean i don't think epic's anywhere near that level of evil at the moment right now they seem like a company that's doing some nice things for indie developers and i can't get mad about that um but yeah it's i'm interested to see how all of these sort of interconnecting bits work together as we enter the next generation and sort of benefit one another. I am also very interested to see what, and I asked, I actually, self-promotion, um, I did get a chance to interview um, Tim Sweeney um, and the other folks over at Epic about, you know, all of this. It's over at gamesindustry.biz. You should read it. I thought it was good. Um, but I did ask them in the interview, I asked them what this meant for, because they're going to bring Fortnite to Unreal Engine 5 sometime mid-2021. And I asked them, you know, what what this means for Fortnite. Like, what does that make Fortnite capable of doing now? I mean, obviously it'll look prettier, but like, it, is, is there anything else that Fortnite will be capable of doing that it couldn't do before? And Tim, good, good old Tim Sweeney didn't want to talk about Fortnite. He, he brushed it off and he, he just said that um, he, he, was not the, he was not developing Fortnite. You know, that's the Fortnite team. He's in charge of Epic Games. Uh, fair. I still think he knows the uh -huh. answer to that question. Yeah. I, it'll be man, interesting that man has a plan in his head of what Fortnite's going to become. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Fortnite, especially since, like, whatever they do, it still has to run on the Switch because it's got a large player base uh, on that platform. And mobile. John, John, I say this lovingly, but of course this conversation comes back to, well, it's got to run on the Switch. Yeah. In this case, it does. I think yeah. you get... I, I, other sites smarter than me asked to, you know, kind of ask the question about how does it... How scale down to the switch and mobile devices how does unreal engine 5 do that and he didn't I, I didn't see any particular specifics but he seemed like fairly confident that it would scale mm -hmm. down well i am i don't know i i think that there there is a coming capacity to do things with fortnite that we you know could not possibly fathom um coming from a game um that would still be functional on mobile and switch you know, their goal for better or for worse, is to have this unified gaming community. And Sweeney said as much in my interview with him. He wants to bring the gaming community together. Now, does he want to bring it all together for the profit of Epic Games? Is the answer is probably yes. But there are still there are still benefits that can be reaped from this. Um, and I I'm really really excited to see what independent developers do. We won't be seeing the fruits of that until you know 2022 at the earliest, probably much later than that. But I I'm very very interested to see what they do with that. So, Justin, Justin, Justin go ahead. Sorry, just so, your hand up. 
yeah uh so one little um one more note just about kind of like the developer side of things from what i saw from this unreal engine 5 demo and some of these moves that epic is making um like i'm really excited to see how this will affect smaller developers because um epic has purchased quixel which does a lot of these photogrammetry scans that the reason the textures and stuff looked so amazing in that demo that we saw are quixel scans and those are free and available to every single Unreal 4 developer, Unreal Engine developer now. Um, like stuff like Lumen means real-time global illumination is going to be available to every single developer. Um, developers aren't going to have to, like say they had to outsource some assets. They're not going to have to spend time downsizing them to fit in their game uh, with this whole new Nanite system. Like. I'm really excited to see how this impacts smaller developers because it really does make high-end visuals um, much more attainable um, and less... I mean, obviously, there's still going to be a difference between a studio that has, like, the backing of, like, Sony or Epic or EA or Activision or whatever. But um, I think there's a lot of really cool technologies that I think indie developers could use in really cool gameplay ways, especially, like global illumination and stuff um, that is now going to be in reach for a lot of smaller teams. And I really can't wait to see how that um, that pans out. Not so it's, a, it's a combination of the two, right? It's in reach and it's free. Yeah. 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 Derek. Derek. Yeah. Derek. So if I may, the um, what is the name of the engine again with the, the the not the engine, but the system you load in cinematic quality assets and they get rendered at a lower Nanite. Nanite. Thank you. Um, the thing about Nanite, to me, I think, uh, that's actually exciting. It's funny. We're all focusing because this is what they talked about when they did the presentation. Um, this idea of loading in massively high-quality assets and it basically scaling down in performance, you know, based on the needs of how many triangles are actually necessary to detail a single pixel Yada, yada, yada. I don't actually think that that's going to see a lot of use in that way. I think where it becomes very helpful is for Unreal Engine 5 as a multi-platform, whoop, as a multi-platform um, yes. engine. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, you can't just load down a bunch of cinematic assets and, and 8K textures into your game um, because then your file sizes are just going to be stupid fucking big. And that's going to be a problem when storage is at a premium on this super, super expensive um, NVMe uh, solid state storage that, you know, we need to yeah, be using. I want to know what the f I want to know what the file size of this it would one small level demo is. A fucking <laughs> nightmare. But but here's the thing. You can, for example, if 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 my understanding and the understanding of a lot of other people, educated people I'm seeing talk about this are correct the scalability of it, the intense scalability of it, means that you can create your assets for your highest quality, like benchmark point. Like your what's your most powerful system out there? Probably the Xbox Series X. And then in theory, you as long as you're not concerned about file size, which you kind of would be, but you do not have to go and make a different set of assets for a Switch or a mobile or whatever game. Uh, because Unreal Engine 5 
is going to render that model in, in basically a, it's not really a lower polygon count, but basically. Um, and that's going to be really helpful. For, it's not a port to switch button. Uh, and it's not exclusively about Switch. It's actually, I think, going to play more into mobile than anything else. Yeah, definitely mobile. But, yeah. um, you know, I mean, there's a reason Fortnite is going to be headlining, I think, um, the Unreal Engine 5. But it's going to vastly streamline um, this process for studios that want to create games across a wide variety of hardwares. I mean, we're hearing that we may still see two separate power models of Xbox Oh, you're next gonna, generation. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We know yeah. we're going to have mid-gen refreshes. They need to work on the Switch now and whatever Nintendo comes out with before Unreal Engine 6 launches. Because I the, still say we're getting a Switch Pro. I, still I think, think we'll see a Switch thing. Pro. I, think I have no insider knowledge on years, that. I just you know, it needs to serve across a broad <laughs> variety of PC specifications. Um, I think it would play very well with NVIDIA's DLSS technology that lets them uh, basically scale up... Uh, Zach, you might be better at explaining this than me, uh, but maybe not because we both had something to drink. Um, but DLSS... <laughs> well, it, th this demo actually was using reconstruction. It wasn't oh, okay. DLSS, but it yeah. actually was using uh, the d a temporal upsampling that Unreal Engine 4 has to hit uh, 4K. Yeah, because it was just native... Uh, which, which, again, Justin, we, gotta move, we have other topics, but I want to hit on this thing, which yeah. is like... This demo, again, work in progress. They will optimize the engine and it will perform better at launch when developers have their hands on it. In, in, yeah, uh, it's not on final tools, but, engine, but hardware. Running on PS5 yeah. hardware, it was natively running at, at uh, they got up to 4K, but it was running at 1440p at 30 FPS. And they managed to do some yep. stuff on the back end and we're going to get up to 4K, which is great. Um, and I also think that like this is like the continuation of the of uh diluting what it means to be true 4k and i think that's good it's it's a useless native 4k is a useless thing to throw your, your, your hardware behind one thing i wanted to say really quickly and and we're happy to move on to the next topics and i want you guys to weigh in before we say this is like i do think it's generally very interesting to see uh epic partner with sony on this deal with the ps5 given that very few Sony first-party studios actually utilize Unreal Engine 5 yeah. and Xbox uh, Xbox game studios largely do use, like one of the best-looking current-generation games using uh, uh, Unreal is Gears of War 5, mm -hmm. which is near and dear to me, obviously. But also, like, it's a curious pairing, right? Like, obviously, one of the things that, that Tim Sweeney harped on was the SSD that is in the PS5 being far and away much better than what you see on PC and Xbox. But... Um, I, I nonetheless thought that was interesting, and we don't have to talk about that because we have other topics that are way more interesting than I, me. I, I, I just do. thought that Aaron Greenberg tweet was really funny. Oh god! Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh god! Yeah, that hashtag, classic Greenberg. Hashtag X gonna give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah on the most powerful console, like yeah. it was just, just so silly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I... no, you're right to point that out, Zach. It is, it is very interesting. I mean, I I guess it it at the gentlest reading, it means maybe we see more PS5 games running on Unreal. Yeah. I do think I am seeing a lot of I I don't know really how engines work or how any of that works, but I am seeing a lot of conversation on my Twitter timeline from a lot of the indie developers that I follow that Unity needs to step its shit up, um, yeah. like in, in just in terms of like business model, but also in terms of what it can do. And I I am very interested to see what their answer to this is. But I mean, just aside from that, yeah, it is it's it. 
Sony's decision making for the reveal of their PS5 has been very interesting so far. Not bad, but just I think interesting. And yo, but did you see that dumb comment they released where they were like, "Wait till you see the sales before you start gauging our marketing performance." Yeah, cigar. Okay. Um, so there is there is something that that before we move into the next topic so something actually happened during the podcast that i just want to touch on very lightly uh we finally got some new uh super nintendo games announced for the for the switch uh for may and you know what you know what what? yeah yeah and check this out justin check this out like there are so many classic games for Super Nintendo, right? Like timeless games, like I don't know any of the Final <laughs> Fantasy games, or any of the Donkey Kong Country games, or you know, what, what, what did Nintendo Fusion of Gaia, or, or Final Fury, yeah, yeah, or Final knows. Fury, or a- anything. And here's what we got: we got John, Operation. John, you're, Log- you're just yelling. You're just. Okay. It's, All right. The, the audio is down. so crunchy. Yeah, I, down. I can't okay. even understand you. You sound okay. like a blown okay. out McDonald's okay. speaker. <laughs> okay. So so. Here's what we got, Justin. We got Operation Logic Bomb, Paneled Upon, and Wild Gun. Paneled Upon's good. I don't know what any of that shit is. But I do know I do know that none of it is Super Mario RPG. I do know that none of it is Final Fantasy. I do know that none of it is Donkey Kong Country or Chrono Trigger. And whatever. Anyway, let's move on to the next next topic. What's the next topic? I had uh, a final thing I wanted to say about... um, the, the, the Unreal. Unreal Engine thing. Go uh, ahead, Derek. Of, yeah. So, um, to I kind of got close to touching on this earlier, uh, but we we need to move along and not get too deep into just the lighting discussion. Um, but it's worth mentioning, like I said, that, that global illumination is supported across the board with Unreal Engine Five. Um, all of what we were seeing was basically only developed and shown using the the kind of core graphic standards uh, it did not include any AMD or Nvidia specific enhancements uh, which considering AMD and Nvidia are both going with kind of different architectural ways of ray tracing um, and and understanding that ray tracing technology and like Nvidia's RTX series of cards do not use the easy way to explain this is that the RT cores and the ray tracing cores in a NVIDIA ray tracing card are there specifically for the ray tracing function. They don't do a lot for you outside of ray tracing technology. Uh, so it's a little bit of extra free overhead for that functionality. That's a really dumb way to simplify it. Uh, but basically, you can you can actually expect... Uh, since the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are both going to implement AMD's version of ray tracing technology, um, you can actually expect lighting to be a combination probably, and Justin, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but a combination of that global illumination system with Unreal Engine 5 and then also ray tracing assisted where it would be at its most effective as like an accent yeah yeah it's gonna be it's it's hard it's hard to say we don't know we don't know anything about how amd is doing ray tracing yet even though it's been confirmed in both of the consoles and in gpus coming this fall we don't know how they're doing it um so it's really it's really hard to say right now but the cool thing is this basically makes has a really high quality solution that doesn't 
have the same heavy cost as ray tracing. So we can use some of those cheaper ray tracing things to enhance visuals while using this, which is really neat. Because if you try to use but, ray tracing yeah. on like a PC game and you don't have an RTX card, <laughs> you could buy <laughs> your game yeah. runs like butts. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i very go, excited. Let's, let's go on to some of these other um, can we game topics talk, that we want to Can we please talk to? about yeah. Paper Mario? Bless yes. me with Paper Mario. <laughs> we were all blessed with Paper Mario today out of the fucking what a fu blue. Yeah, what a what a absolute like I was just on the couch uh playing my 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 Vita and I happened to look at Twitter right as it happened and I thought it was that fake Nintendo account yeah. at first. Like I was I like too. oh I did too. I was like, Oh, they got us again. Got it's again. the fake Nintendo of America account. And uh, and then I was just ready to dismiss it, and then I saw the check mark and I was like what is this? And it looks gorgeous. Can we, can we discuss how the opening of that trailer very much makes it seem like it's something made by a fan account? Yeah, it's it, weirdly it, horror it, themed. It's, <laughs> very, it's, it's funny like, as shit. It's great. Fold, your, fold yourself and become reborn. I'm like, that's some horror movie shit. Like, it's so like, like, so Peach is evil now. That's what I take away from that. She's 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 been folded. Well, she's yeah, she's, she's been, been creased. No, creased. It's creased. Sorry. She's corrupted creased. by the you hiss. Have, you have to you have to crease yourself and become reborn. Um I I just love that uh that Bowser is all creased up and he's super pissed about it. He's like he's like, "Oh, I don't want to yeah. But like I think this looks beautiful and it looks like the perfect combination of RPG elements from the older games and the the more action adventure uh, elements of games like Super Paper Mario and uh, Color Splash. Um, what do we think of that circle grid that appears to be where the where the turn based battles are, are taking place? I I wasn't able to get too much of a read on that. Was it where the battles? Because I thought I caught a snippet that was an actual like old school, yeah. like linear. There like, were a couple snippets. Yeah, yeah. But, there... um, so I I thought that was maybe some kind of of like environmental element that they were playing with maybe is like a unique mechanic in a dungeon or something. I, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of those paper Mario, uh, you know, dungeons and chapters or, you know, the environments have some kind of weird thing to them. That's just basic level design that I'm describing that video games do. I, I, so I am more I, I'm I'm more stunned at the fact that I mean this is I mean Paper Mario is something that people have been asking for for a long time. It's a very popular Nintendo franchise, and they just dropped it on Twitter with zero announcement, zero fanfare. They're like, know here there it is. was supposed to be a direct. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, and and um, I I just like. It, it's good. I think there's a bigger conversation to be had here about how Nintendo is going to do the rest of their the rest of the game announcements for the year because Reb is on the money. Like this was obviously supposed to be announced in a direct, and it, it makes me wonder: Are we just going to get big Nintendo announcements piecemeal throughout the summer? Um, especially since like dude, this game is coming out in two months. Like like this is this is coming out really really soon, and I think I feel like only Nintendo could could get away with launching a announcing and launching a major first party title within two months like that is wild yeah that's pretty uniquely nintendo um 
and and they're I don't I can't think of anyone else that really can get away with titles that big doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I fully expect that this could be the rest of Nintendo's year. This could be kind of what we're looking at from every developer for a while. You know, hey, we're getting close to release and we're pretty sure this will be out in two or three months rather than, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, call it, you know, from the stands and, and swing for it. Like, yes, this will be February, 2021. Like I wouldn't want to make that call right now. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want to say Q1 2021. I might wait till we're only a couple months away and and I can be more certain of at least a month. You I know? mean, Ubisoft, not to not to pivot to Ubisoft financial calls, but Ubisoft kind of did something like this today during their call. They yeah. said, we've got five AAA titles coming. You know about four of them. One's a mystery that we'll announce later. Um, here are our projections for the full year. Um, one of these titles might get delayed because of COVID. We don't know, so we're giving you projections for if it gets delayed, and we're giving you projections for if it doesn't. And I don't know. I thought I thought that was an interesting way to handle it. Can I also point out, real quick, Justin, real quick, I promise. Um, who else loved the... I choose to believe that that was a, a Metroid tease of some kind at the end. I, I choose, to, choose believe. to believe that. I choose to believe, Reb. Like, I don't know what... No, it was exactly. a taunt. It was, like when Re- it was like when Reggie wore the pin... Like it's just no, this, Nintendo likes to do. Taunt you all not us. remember Nintendo tweeting out the picture of Chibi Robo on fire when the direct got moved? Yeah. Literally just to fuck with people on the internet who were too online arguing Absolutely. about directs. Yeah, like I choose to believe Nintendo will. Nintendo likes to put references in things, and they like to fuck with people. They clearly do. I have a T-shirt of the flaming Chibi Robo because of that tweet. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, I would not expect that to be a tease that Metroid Prime Trilogy or new 2D Metroid oh, is coming no, out. Oh, I, no, I know, I know deep in my heart it's yeah. probably nothing. It's but at the same time, in these, in these dark times, Derek, I need something to hold on to uh, to keep They're from just getting reaching under your armpit and tickling you a little bit. That's all the Justin. Water. Did you Justin. Yes, Justin, Justin did. Sorry. No, no, I didn't. Uh, well, I, honestly, all I can really say is just a couple weeks ago, I was... Like, man, I really want to play another Paper Mario. And then <laughs> this got announced. So I'm very, I'm very, very happy about it. Um, and I, I also just realized that, like, the other game we were thinking about talking about tonight is coming out on the same day. Same day. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, which is kind of, kind of bonkers to think about. I would, I would also say that, like, you know, one of the things that, that you, Justin, and then Derek, you mentioned earlier in terms of uh, announcing, like in the in the era of COVID, announcing a game on Twitter and then just having it come out in two months, actually probably works out fine for Nintendo, given what we have heard as rumors for what they have uh, coming our way this year, which yeah. is just like a shitload of ports for Mario's 35, 35th anniversary. Because if you had a new game, obviously announcing like like Paper Mario is going to be fine. It's going to be a fine game. It'll probably be really, you know, it'll probably be great. But also like, you don't need a six-month hype train for Mario Sunshine coming to Switch. You just don't. That's true. And, like, announcing it four weeks ahead of time is perfectly fine, and that game will sell sovereignly well because the Switch has a really good adop- uh, adoption rate uh, yep. for uh, uh, first-party games. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, I think that Nintendo is actually in a unique position where they didn't have a lot of, like, first-party bangers coming out this year, but they had enough decent ports coming that, like, they're going to weather this just fine. Um, and it probably, frankly, better than they would have uh, uh, in a launch year. Otherwise, like, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to do well. 
And I think the new industry trend of announcing a game and launching it shortly afterward is, is going to work really well for them. So I don't know. I like Wine Paper Mario. I like no, it so I much. Hope, I, I, so, I super hope that it sounded as a slight to Paper Mario Reb. I didn't mean it as a slight. No, I didn't take it as a slight. I just wanted to say, I haven't gotten to talk about it yet, so I just wanted to say I like Paper Mario. That's literally it. We no, stand a Paper King. We do world. stand a Paper King. I think, so the Paper Mario games, I, I've only played Color Splash. That's the only one I've played, um, which I think offends people because people don't like Color Splash. I thought Color Splash was fine. It was a solid game. It was, it was cute. It was lovely. I love, I love that Nintendo likes to make these games with its first, with its you know internal studios its first party studios and studios it works really close with where they do like these really um, like tactile kinds of things these kind of arts and craftsy visual styles um like it, i mean they did paper mario uh yoshi's woolly world and crafted world were like that um they did, had uh, the yarn kirby game um and the claymation kirby game uh, they've also done um, Animal Crossing. If you look at Animal Crossing, the textures on that, everything looks like felt. Um, the Link's Awakening, everything looked like little toys. Um, I just, I love those kind of weird, fun texture things that they like to do um, with their cartoony games. And I, I'm excited for that. I, I'm a little concerned about the battle system because I think it's going, I think it's actually going to be what people want out of it, which is that turn-based kind of timed button press system. But that concerns me because the other paper, the other kind of Paper Mario game that I played is uh, Mario Luigi Paper Jam, which Mario and Luigi game, um, which I love those, uh, but it had like some crossover with Paper Mario, but that game had that kind of battle system, and that was on the 3DS, and I had to review that in five days, and that was the game that fucked up my wrists. So, <laughs> yeah, but I love Paper Mario. It's super, super sweet, and God, the writing in those games is just hysterical. Reb, Reb, if you can, I don't know if you have a, if you if you can hunt down like a GameCube and a copy of Thousand Year Door, you should play that. Like I've that, been told. That... I've played, so I've played a small amount of Thousand Year Door. I played, I played a very small amount of it at one point. Um, it was great, but yeah, I've been told I would love that game. I have a GameCube. It was my first console. I still have it. Yeah, no, Thousand Year Door. I mean, it's, it's just a solid series in general with a few missteps. Uh, did we, uh, did, did anybody else have anything they wanted to mention about Paper Mario, or did we want to pivot over to Ghosts of Tsushima? There is Paper no Mario such thing nice. as a bad Paper Mario game. They're all good. They're all, all. valid. They're yep. all lovely. Um, this looks like red meat for the fans. I'm very excited to see what happens uh, because there's this trend of Nintendo franchises getting brand new releases on the Switch. Um some of them very experimental, some of them very return to the roots, and it doesn't really matter what they do. Um, the the games go on to sell better than like any other game in the franchise. So I can just assume that this is going to be the best selling Paper Mario game, but like it'll be really exciting to see if something more traditional that a lot of diehard fans have really been clamoring for can also be the game that really blows up sales wise for the franchise for the first time in, in a while. I mean, if, if any if any console is going to do it, it's the Switch. I mean, everything fucking sells on the system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, yeah. almost everything. So, I mean, especially you know Nintendo's first party titles, they all do incredibly well on Switch. So, hey Derek. Yeah, Derek. I like your hat. Thank you. What hat? I do love you ever, your hat. Do you guys ever drink three and a half glasses of wine? Hell. And then, and then yes. find you're suddenly tanked with. 15 minutes left on the podcast. I sure fucking do. We've reached that point about Ghosts of Sushi. Talk about some Akira Kurosawa looking shit. Zach, Zach, do you want to kick off our Ghosts of Tsushima talk? I I do, uh, but I I also want to give it to Justin too because I know he's been following the game a little closer than me. But Ghosts of Tsushima, um, we have only seen two or three trailers for the game since its announcement in 2017. 
uh, which is yeah, kind Paris of wild. Gave... It's literally the the it, Ghost of Tsushima is both the last big PS4 first party release and the last major game Sony has announced. <laughs> um, it was announced in 2017. 2017. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is actually this is probably one of I hope. One of the last times Sony announces a game this far out, um, it's great that they've given Sucker Punch this much time to get it to get it right. Um, but also, uh, it's interesting to watch that game develop. You know, this is again our, our third peak of the game before it launches, and it's out in July after being bumped from June, so that The Last of Us could move into its spot. Uh, so they released like 15 minutes or so of the game, uh, showing you. Uh, what exploration looks like, uh, what uh, uh, offensive combat looks like, and then what stealth combat looks like, and then a little bit of of how you can kind of uh, uh, interact with that world itself. Um, and it looked good, um, if not to me, subjectively. It looked very much in the way that Spider-Man, to me, was an, iter- uh, was an iteration and a meditation on the superhero games we've seen this generation. It felt very much like Sucker Punch was like, Assassin's Creed is really good at this here at Shirt Falls. Uh, Shadow of War was really good at this here at Shirt Falls, and we're going to do our take on that. Um, and Sony has a budget to like do a really good take on other popular genres, and I feel like that's what we're saying with Ghost of Tsushima. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, that's fair. It, but but nonetheless, like it feels like a good way for them to end the generation. It 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 um is not the visual it showcase. It looks good. Yeah, it looks it looks it looks like a great way to end the generation for Sony. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I have to say about it. Like, it's now. very beautifully designed, I think I will say visually. Like, is it the single yeah. most visually impressive game in terms of fucking triangles and, and light bounces I've ever seen? <laughs> no. But it it's it's I love the aesthetic of it. Um, you know, it's it's not often enough that we see that much love given to that kind of aesthetic and era of Japan in video games down to like architecture and clothing and things like that. Um, in the same way that like so much of our, uh, fantasy genre and light fantasy and gaming is very like European based. Um, you know, so it's, it's just, it's very pretty. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with being just a really good version no, thing, I hope that I hope you know? that's like no, a, I don't think that's word. what you meant at all. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's I think, kind of been Sucker Punch's mo too. Is like they don't particularly innovate, but they just make a very good version of that thing that they're aiming for. <laughs> so, like, I'll, I'll say, like Seven Samurai is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Akira Kurosawa films, uh, and you know, I I I was I was beside myself when uh, they announced today that they had a black and white filter that you can apply from at the beginning of the, but it's not just a black and white filter. It adds like extra wind apparently. So it makes everything a lot more dramatic. And it's it's I've always like like this is the Akira Kurosawa video game I have always wanted. And, and that is how I will be playing this game from the moment I start it to the moment I finish it because that shit fucking rules. That is so cool. What an homage to to such a uh, to such a classic director. Uh like oh, I could not be happier about that. Way I, to go sucker punch. I usually that shit think, is awesome. I usually think people are being uh, stupid fucking hipsters when they say things like that, <laughs> but with Ghost of Tsushima, like I'm kind of maybe feeling the same way. Again, just because of the 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 attachment to Kurosawa's films. Um 
God, just it's a pretty looking game, they, uh, and I'm very excited for it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Samurai's good. One thing, Samurai ghost. Once, oh, Reb, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I oh, I think oh, go ahead. it actually appeals to me. I want to be able to play it because I'm not gonna have a PS4, <laughs> and I'm I mean I guess I might get a PS5. I don't know. Um, but I think it looks lovely because it reminds, I mean, it's beautiful, but it reminds me of older Assassin's Creed titles. Um, mm -hmm. like the, the kind of original trilogy, sort of just the style of it. Um, and I, I love those. I love those a lot. I love the, the, I love being able to play stealth games and yeah, I don't know. Just, just this pretty, it, it's the kind of thing that I would want out of that kind of game going open world, right? Like having this beautiful open world to explore and these kinds of like visual cues as to where things are instead of just a bunch of shit all over a map. Um, but then also having these sections where it's valuable to be stealthy and valuable to sit there and be ca and calculating and plan out your moves and think about it. Like, I love that. Um, and so I, if there's an opportunity to play this game, I think that I might. Also, you can pet the fox. That looks great. The, oh, okay. The, the oh, animal yeah. buddies... The Animal Buddies is such a good idea. So, like, because one of the only things we really knew about exploration in this game was they said, we're not going to have typical waypoints. Um, that was that, and that was it. So how they're doing it is really kind of genius through, like, environmental cues and stuff. Like, you can still mark a point if you know about something. Um, if you already know about it, you can still mark a point on the map. But the wind is essentially it reminded me actually a lot of wind waker um where you're oh, kind of very aware of how the wind moves around you and like you can watch the wind blow toward your destination and you see everything bend in the wind and yeah, like your cape so cool. and stuff and then you'll be flying around and then a bird might come up a bird might come up alongside your horse and so you follow that bird and then you can find like a shrine off off the beaten path um, there's foxes that do similar things and you can pet the foxes. Like, I really, really like that stuff. It's really fitting for the setting and the genre. Um, and it's really cool. Um, cause I'm also really used to animals in open world games just being to terrorize the player or more crafting materials. So it's kind of nice that we can see them as just friends. As buddies. <laughs> I, I also, I I think I, I, yeah, I, I did tweet this earlier, but I think it's worth, like, echoing. One of the things I think, to echo um, Justin's point about, like, the animals and the way the world interacts with you as the player, one of the things I think is really interesting uh, from a di design perspective here with Gusushima Tsushima uh, is that the way the animals interact with you and draw the player's attention and guide you is a really, really smart way of keeping players' eyes off of the corners of the screen, whether that's, like, a waypoint or a mini-map or whatever, like... Having like I don't know if you guys all watched the trailer, but like there's a there's like a little bird that at one point guides you uh, to where you're trying to go, and I think that's a genius way of funneling the player's attention and keeping their eye on the player rather than like a little mini map that's like external to the experience. Like I, when I think of a mini map, they're kind of fourth wall, right? A mini map is like yeah. a very much like a player focused thing that is like out of the world that you're in. And when you instead remove the mini-map and put a bird on the screen, you are doing the same function, but keeping the player immersed in the world that they're playing in. Uh, and so one of the things I compared that to earlier was, uh, think of Skate 4, or not Skate 4, wow, I wish. Uh, <laughs> keep, that, keep that in line with uh, the Skate series, where Skate was like, Tony Hawk has always been about watching your player move through the space, but that's ridiculous. Skateboarding is about the board and the way your feet interact with that board and move through their environment. 
And I, I think that really resonates with the design you're seeing in Ghost of Tsushima, where you are following these environmental cues to keep your focus really where it should be, which is you as a player and less of the fourth wall breaking things here. Um, I, you know, there are things I have issue with with Ghost of Tsushima uh, in the way we saw it today. I think it was a little, little bit closer to other games than I wanted to see. It's a little too iterative for my taste. Uh, I think that we see some, we saw some visual downgrades over, which I don't want to. I don't. I hate to say that because it feels like it's the Pelagate shit, and that sucks. I really think they've just leaned harder into like a more artistic style than, than photorealism. But like, there were some departures that I didn't love, but I loved to see the designers at play here in a way that felt like they were like focusing really heavily on player immersion. And then when you see that paired with how they're doing their photo mode, how they're doing the black and white mode, it feels like this is Sucker Punch's most like immersive be in our space and play here game we have seen uh, from that studio. I don't know. I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. think I'm good. And I th I'm glad they also said it's like, yeah, there's also going to be a full Japanese voice setting with full motion capture, uh, Spe like speech match lip sync and stuff too like there's a lot of really clever um there's a lot of really cool things that i think people have requested in like stylistically and immersion wise that i think sucker punch has brought to the table here which oh is really if you cool, don't so. play this if you do not play this game with the japanese voice track then you're not just a cop you're the chief of police like like this game <laughs> This game demands the Japanese voice track. Like it just, it just that is how I will be playing. Black and white with extra wind, and uh, and 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 the Japanese voice track. That is how this game is meant to be played. But yeah, it it, it looks really cool, and I mean, this is going to be a really good send off summer for the PS4. Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima a month apart. Um, really cool. <laughs> I'm more excited for this game. Um gameplay wise than the last of us for sure that's fine that's fine yeah, it looks I mean, it, that's um, totally valid like i you know i like i've seen i've seen a couple people doing polls on it and i'm like i'm just gonna buy them both day one anyway so it doesn't really yeah, matter no, no, i am gonna buy both because like it's june and july i'm gonna be bored but like <laughs> what's wild about that is uh vicky uh, like The Last of Us is one of her favorite games of all time. Uh, she's played it like five or six times, and she was really excited about The Last of Us too. And she's like as much as excited as I am. I don't know if I can play it right now because I, I think it's just too much for and me. That's fair. And right I, now, yeah. I think I think there's gonna I think there's gonna be a lot of people in that boat, um, which I can, I can totally um, I can totally see <laughs> I can totally uh, understand. Um, cause that game is looking pretty grim. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited. I, I, and I also, I really hope Sony does this kind of presentation for some of their games more often. I know it was kind of necessitated by COVID cause usually they do like a round of, you know, people that get press that get like a couple hours of hands on, but it was really great to see like an 18 minute video with developers talking and like, cause I've seen people asking questions about literally every single thing that they showed today. They're like, okay, we're going to start off with exploration and then we're going to show you combat as a samurai. And then we're going to show you playing that same thing um, as the ghost um, style and then show you how you can customize your character and your experience. And I thought it was great and really informative. It was fun to watch. Um, didn't give away any story details. Um, I thought it was a really good showcase um, of the game, and I really hope, I really hope they do it more often. Well, I think we are uh, we are bumping up against an hour and a half here. It's probably time to uh, 
probably time for us very extremely uh, extremely online people to to log off uh does uh there was a lot we we had a, a lot to talk about tonight does anybody have anything else they wanted to drop before we uh, call it quits here may i do the closing tonight you may do the closing tonight Take Derek. absolutely and, and, and guys stick around after we go out because we got this brand new uh this brand new uh closing animation uh that uh that derek whipped up i think you're really gonna like it Is derek, anybody, anybody got anybody got more words before we go no, I have um, no words. just have a nice weekend. Yeah. Take time for yourself. You know, here in the Midwest, we're expecting some rain, but that doesn't mean that you can't take time to recharge and just, I don't know, take yeah. time for yourself. Yeah. Well, folks, it ain't always poetry. <laughs> we don't always agree. <laughs> Around these parts, we do always keep it real. <laughs> so until next time, be good to your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs>